staying pressed in the right direction. Thanks, Michelle. Turners are just serving me. All right. Um, so, yeah, typically when I... Uh, I don't speak very often, uh, so usually it's like 70% nervous and 30% excited. And today it's kind of switched. It's more like 30% nervous and 70% excited because, um, yeah, this has really been big for me. Uh, and Dave really, he's, you know, I think he, like two different times, he pulls me aside. And he doesn't really give me a direction because he, he's heard me preach this, you know, countless times anyway, just between us. So, uh, but he's like, so you can, you know, what testimony are you going to share? I want you to, I want you to tell him your story. And I was like, I don't really know what to say. I don't have any good story to say, but I will, I'm going to give you an analogy that I'm going to come back to. And uh, it's not a perfect analogy, but uh, it's, it excites me. So imagine a puzzle. And by the way, for those of you that I interact with on a daily basis, you've heard this before. Um, so you have, a, you have this a puzzle, right? And it's like a, not like a 100-person puzzle you do with your four-year-old, but like an adult puzzle puzzle, right? So it's like 5,000 pieces or something like that. I'm, I'm talking like serious puzzle. And... Um, you just get it, and uh, you, you don't get the box. So you don't even know, you don't get to look at something while you do it. So you got the edges, right? You're going to start with the edges, of course. You're going to try to find where they match. And, and uh, when you first start, right, it's exciting. Like, it's fun. You're enjoying this new adventure of the puzzle. Uh, but then, then it gets hard, and there's this season where it's just, like, frustrating. Like, this, why am I doing this? This is pointless. I'm never going to get this done. I should be doing this productive thing and this thing and whatever. So you're just frustrated and that doesn't, doesn't make sense and you don't see that we're going. You've just got these little pieces together that you got like five together here and ten together here and thirteen together here, but you're not even close. And they don't necessarily how the thirteen and the five go together. Um, and then what happens is you begin to get momentum as it comes together. And for anyone who's ever completed a puzzle, as you get further along, it gets easier, right? And you begin to get clarity. And now you see the piece and you know exactly where it goes as soon as you grab it. It's like over here, I know where this goes, boom. And it gets fast and it gets fun and it comes together in like a real fun way. And so that is what this has done for me. I don't know where I'm at in the 5,000 piece puzzle. I have no idea, right? And he said, you know, he, he, Dave said, Clint got this. And then he corrected himself and said, well, you know, there's no getting it. It's not like a subject. And he's right. I mean, I don't, what I'm going to share, um, well, I'll, I'll get to that in a second. But, but I, I know that I'm, get, I'm at this place where it's getting fun and like things are coming together and uh, I'm past the frustrated part of that, of this puzzle. And um, the truth is like that. The more you have of the, Jesus said, to, those who's, to him who has, much more will be given. To him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. I want you to think about that in light of truth. The more truth you have to a story, the more all the pieces make sense. You're an investigator, right? You're a truth seeker, right? So the more truth that you get, the more truth makes sense. The more other things make sense, because it is one big story. It is one amazing story. So that is my testimony, is that, I mean, I, yeah, it's, I'm at a place of a lot of life and a lot of love, and uh, it's, it's fun. Um, I, w- I want to say this. So the enemy, how much of power does the enemy have in your life or in this world or in a believer's life? How much power does he have? The answer is none. He has no authority. He has no authority whatsoever. He has no actual might or power. So then what does he have? He only has one tool, 
And that's darkness. He only has deception. That is the only power he has. Which when you realize that deception is no power at all, that's really freeing. And so, to me, Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth will let you f- set you free. Truth is so precious to me. It's so precious to me because as I came out of depression and some, some of this, you know, crisis of faith, whatever, emotional garbage, I just began to realize, like, it was just the truth. All I needed was the truth. It's all that I needed. And so, um, I might be touching this often to see if I can keep it alive. But, um, uh, so I want to propose that the truth of God's love for you is all that you need. Like, of all, you know, there's all these self-help books, seven steps, blah, 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 blah. All the, I, I propose that the truth of God's love is all that you need, that that will unlock every other chain, every other door. Um, and I want to say that what I'm going to talk about today is well it's beyond my pay grade. All right? I'm, I don't have... I, I don't know where I'm at in this. I mean, it, it is. It, it's, it's so much more than I can speak. It's so much more than I can say. Um, and I want you to understand something, that all truth, or truth and mystery are inseparable. And you have to understand that, Right? The people that try to put the Trinity under their feet kill the Trinity. Right. So I may say something like, you know, uh, Jesus is man and Jesus is son of God. I mean, do those things really like, we just get that? Like, it makes perfect sense, right? No, like, but that doesn't mean that, that's not the way it's supposed to be. Let's not forget that we're created. We're not creator. And that truth and mystery go hand in hand. And so what, I'm, what we're sharing here. It is truth and mystery. Like, it's not going to, like, line up and make perfect sense. It's something you can just put in your little box and put in your pocket and walk around with it. Like, that's not how it is. It's bigger than you. It doesn't fit in your pocket. And so, if you understand that, you're not going to allow something that doesn't make sense to steer you off track. Now, when I get stuff that's like, I don't really get that, it doesn't bother me. I just say, okay, God, I can't wait till you show where that works. Because you're going to. And it works. Like, mystery is okay. Um, And with what I'm going to talk about, there's a little bit of a sacred secrecy to it. Like, I kind of feel like I should say right now, if you're, like, under 17, you should leave the room. Which is not true. We're not talking, this is not a sex talk. But there is a sacred secrecy to the intimacy of God that is real, right? And so there's an element of that here. And, and, and I, so, that, so even as I talk about this, there's, like, a humility that I have in just understanding that a little bit. Another thing about the topic is that uh, so you have solar panels that receive their energy from the sun. Okay? Um, imagine if a solar panel had to get its energy from the solar panel next to it. Think of what the downgrade that is. I don't know how inefficient that is, but I know that it's extremely inefficient. We are all solar panels. You are solar panels. I am a solar panel. I cannot actually speak this to your heart. It's impossible. Only the sun can speak this to your heart. I can't do it. So... And by the way, this is the way it always goes when people are speaking or, or you're getting your message, is that the real communication that's happening is his spirit to your spirit, and I'm a facilitator. So I cannot impact you with the reality of God's love. It's impossible, which is cool because it takes the pressure off me. I don't have to, and there's nothing I can do with it. But honestly, you have to get that. He's the sun, you're a solar panel, I'm a solar panel. If you're trying to get it through me, you will never get it. Um, and so... With that, I may pause it at times um, just to maybe see if something will sink in and, and different things will hit you. But I just encourage you to listen to him while I'm talking. Don't just listen to me. And by the way, that's a discipline 
all the time, but especially at this time, if I just want to change your paradigm, side, side point real quick, change your paradigm. Listening to a teaching in this context is not a me-to-you interaction or a whoever-is-up-here-to-you interaction. It is a three-way interaction that is going on. And when you begin to realize that, God can, God can rock you with the worst message of all time. I've been there. I've had people, this is an awful message, I'm a bad communicator, and, and I'm just, God is just speaking to me, okay? And when you begin to embrace that, so, all right, that was my side point. And so I'm going to pray real quick with that in mind. Lord, this is beyond us. This is beyond us, but we want it and we embrace it. And uh, just fill this place with your presence and with your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, so I'm going to answer three giant questions for you that are going to seem really over the top. But the first one is, what is God? What does God want? And why do you exist? I mean, if I was famous and I was going to give a message entitled that, I would have a million people show up, right? This guy's going to come talk, you know, what is God or who is, what is God? Uh, what does he want and why does he exist? The answer to all three of those, why do you exist, I mean, the answer to all three of those is love. It says in 1 John 4, 8, and actually then again, and I think 17 or 18, it says God is love. God is love. Um, I'm going to read uh, Ephesians. There's so many places I could go with this. I mean, I'm not going to do a ton of scripture. Um, you know, if anything I say you feel is unbiblical, we can talk about it. And, you know, seriously. But, okay. So this is Ephesians 1, 4 through 5. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So I'm going to do first and last verse, first and last sentence. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us. By the way, I'm going to get to the love in a second, but he loved us and chose us. Uh, I can't separate those two things. And then lastly, it gave him great pleasure. So the answer to all the questions is love. So if that's true then, and, and we have the absolute worst understanding of love in the world here, we need to talk about love briefly. Uh, I love pizza, as the guy was saying yesterday. You know, I love lamp. <laughs> uh, I, you, know, uh, I, you know, we just we throw it around all the time. I love soccer. I love LeBron James. I, you know, it's just like... Uh, well, at least he's a person, um, you know. But we really, I mean, you know how the Eskimos had, like, different words for snow? It kills me. I almost want to, like, it kills me that we have one word for love and we use it for like <laughs> and many other things. Um, so what is love? I'm going to give you something. I'm going to share something that uh, part of my, me being an idiot, uh, that helped me come through that, and, and it was an understanding of what love is that helped me come through that. So, before I married my lovely wife back there, I was wrestling with the idea of was I supposed to marry her? Um, and I hate the phrase, falling in love. I hate that phrase. Nobody falls on purpose. There is no intentionality about falling. And yet love has everything to do with intentionality. And for a long time, I wrestled with Am I supposed to do this? Christian fatalism. It's garbage. 
Am I, you know, am I supposed to? Lord, is this what you want for me? I don't want to let you down. I don't want to fail you. I don't want to take the wrong step. I, 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 I. We won't even get into the fact that that was all self. But, but when I realize that the absolute beauty of love, and therefore marriage, which is the awesome shadow of what eternity is, when I, when I realize that love is choice, and that the freedom of getting to choose someone and have that person be the one that I choose, this is what I want, this is, that it started in me, and that's where it began and lived and grown and had its origin, that, man, if it got rid of that, you know, and, and, you know, getting married to her was the best decision I've ever made. And I remember literally like six weeks after, more than that, probably six months after that, literally just thank, being thankful to God that he helped me see that because I, you know, I was really, really in a bad place. And I began to realize that love begins in the lover. And I say this to her, and I'll give you, I say this to my daughter and to my son, and, uh, and I would encourage you guys to put this into practice. But I'll go to my daughter and I say, um, Noah, although you're beautiful, I don't love you because you're beautiful. Although you're smart, I don't love you because you're smart. Although you're wonderful, I don't love you because you're wonderful. You know why I love you? And she's getting pretty good now, but still sometimes she wants me to say it again, so she didn't say it, but I go, I go, I love you because you're my daughter, and I want to. Because I want to. Now, I, oh, but really, no, we need to have this in our vocabulary. I tell my wife, I don't love you because you're, you're beautiful, or because you're sexy, or because you're smart, or because of your personality. I love you, because you could lose all those things. You could go crazy on me. And I love you, because I choose to love you. You know how powerful and freeing that is? That, that is what love is. So I needed to say that because this is God. And guess what? It's more than the, the way I communicated here. It's better than what I just communicated. But this is him. Um, and here's how love works. Love only has one origin. There's no counterfeits or it will not produce itself. But it reproduces itself. It starts in a lover and it reproduces itself in a beloved, in a loved. Okay, that's how it works. There's no other way. Um, it's still a quote from Danny Silk yesterday. He said, lovers don't change lovers, or lovers don't change themselves, love changes lovers. Because it does. When somebody loves you, really loves you, with no attachments, no, I mean, with a pure love, right, you cannot help but to love back. Every husband in this room knows that everything that they want from their, from their spouse, right, that it's a matter of loving them with a purity of origin first, and it produces that back. It produces it back, and that's the way it works. That's why it works with God. Now, let me ask you this. You know, I, I, I could go to the word for why do you exist, but I could also ask you, do you exist to, like, make money, to compile, to, to compile things? Do you exist to work out to like you know that you exist for relationships you exist for love you know that you know that you exist for love so even without the word you know that you exist for love what is better than love there's nothing better than this there's nothing better than love so this means that you are the recipient of this 
When it comes to God's love equation, you are that other half. You are the one that he chose and to bestow this upon, himself upon, this love that begins in him. Ephesians 1, even before the foundations of the earth, he loved you and chose you, right? And then check out the adopted thing, adopted you into his family, and then think of what I just said with Noah. I don't feel that way about every other kid. I mean, I don't, she, every other kid does not move my heart the way my daughter moves my heart, okay? I look over her, I look over at Cleo, and I look over at my son, and it, like, I just look at them from afar, and I can get tears in my eyes. I can get tears in my eyes thinking about this, okay? When you adopt another child that doesn't have an into your family, you bestow that upon them, okay? Noah didn't earn it, but you could say, yeah, but you had her, right? But she still didn't earn it. She doesn't earn this. And if parents know that, like, if she was to do whatever, that wouldn't change. But if I were to adopt another child in, they would get that same, for some reason, I would begin to feel that way about them. I would begin to feel that same, like, look over and tears in my eyes about them. As, but I don't right now, right? I don't. I don't feel that same way. And so when you, so he did that to us. My point is, the origin is him. The origin is him. Okay, so what does that mean, though? All right, so God, back to what is God? What is a person? If we're creating his image. At your core, what are you? You're a will. You're a volition. Okay, now there's layers on top of that. But if I had to describe you at your core, okay, you are a person with an ability to choose and to will and to want. What does God want? Well, he wants you, okay? But what does any real lover really want? If you're a real lover, really want? You want their heart, okay? You want their heart. You want the same, you want the same thing back. You want the exclusivity of it back. You don't demand it, but it's what you want. And saying that God wants your heart is sort of like, duh. But I'm going to share two verses with you. And I'm going to expose that even though it's like duh intellectually, we don't get it on the real level. The greatest commandment is what? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. What is the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God. I have to include the romance of this in here or we'll miss it. Love the Lord your God. The exclusivity of romance has to be there. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Second greatest commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. Interesting that love reproduces love, right? So, but, so, uh, but when I say, if I was to ask you, what does that mean before this message? Just real quick, what does love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength mean? Our feelings is okay. Go to church, be a nice person, obey Him, uh, don't sin. That's the things that we think, but that has nothing to do with love. I want to get ahead of myself. Okay, but this is. I'm here. Uh, was Israel a bad servant or an adulterer? What was she called throughout the Old Testament? She was called an adulterer, not a bad servant. An adulterer, because that's God's heart. He's a lover, and he wants that love back. He cares about their heart. And you have to view your life and the things that happen in your life through that paradigm, through that perspective, okay? When he... He wants your heart. He doesn't want your obedience. He doesn't want your r- routine activity. He wants 
your heart. And he's given you his. Just like I've given my daughter or my wife my heart, and they can do with it what they will, it's already been done. It's already been given. It's a choice that I make every day and will never unmake and continue to make. He's eternal. He always makes it. He always makes that choice towards you and for you. But what he wants back is, to jump back, love your neighbor as yourself. What do we think of that as? Be nice to them. It's not be nice to them, right? Let's, we need a new paradigm of love. Like, it's not be nice to God, and it's not respect him, it's love him. Okay, it's the, the exclusivity of the romance, right? Again, I can't communicate it to you, but I think that that helps. Now, um, I want to tell you that we are insane either way, okay? We are either insane for believing this, or we're insane for not letting it consume our lives. Absolutely be the only thing. And I'll get back to that later. But we're insane either way. This is insane. Um, this is no ordinary lover that loves you. This is not the best human. This is not Prince Harry coming to girls and saying, I want to marry you. <laughs> this is the prince of the universe, okay? I'm going to read for you Revelations 1, 13 through 18. John Uh, in a vision, turns. When I turned to see who was speaking to me, I saw seven gold lampstands. And standing in the middle of the lampstands was someone like the Son of Man. He was wearing a long robe with a gold sash across his chest. His head and his hair were as white as wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like flames of fire. His feet were like polished bronze, refined in a furnace, and his voice thundered like mighty ocean waves. He held seven stars in his right hand, and a sharp two-edged sword came out of his mouth, and his face was like the sun in all its brilliance. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as if I were dead, but he laid his right hand on me and said, don't be afraid, I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I died, but look, I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and the grave. That is your groom, The foundation of reality itself is in love with you. I mean, what is God, right? I say he's a will, he's a volition. I, mean, do, I don't know. He created the universe. He exists on a realm. My understanding of him is the same as this stands understanding of me. Man created this. Man created this. God created us. Same difference in level of existence. Yet, he is in love with me, the foundation of reality is in love with you. Foundation of reality. The, the one to whom all authority in heaven and earth and a kingdom that will be forever and ever. I mean, we could look at who Jesus is for a minute and that would be a whole other sermon. Let's actually lift up this groom of yours. Let's lift up this lover of yours. Let's look and see. You hit the jackpot. Like, not, okay, but we, th- and we think of that like an authority and all the fruit of this. But the fruit is still the fruit. The heart is that he loves you. And nothing is greater than love. Remember? Remember, you know this. You know that nothing is better than love. So not only do you have that, but you have it from the foundation of reality himself. So my question is, what's next? That's good. Where do, we want to, where do you want to go from here? Like, what's the next thing to learn? What's the next thing to apply to my life? What's the next thing I need to do? Sorry, I asked that facetiously. Where do we want to go from here? 
nowhere. I never want to leave here, and I'm not going to. I'm never leaving here. I am not leaving this spot. There's nowhere else to go. I'm staying right here because it is so good, and it just gets better, and there is nothing better than it. The, the foundation of reality is in love with me. Yes. Let me tell you your story. You went from not, you went from not, you went from not existing, okay? Then you were a son of Adam. That's pretty cool. Then you were cursed. Then you were cursed and under the torment of the demonic. Then you went to the palace, the royal divine palace. That is your story. Your story is this. You were not. It's not so good. Then you were son of Adam. We don't really know what that was like originally, but that's pretty cool. Then you were cursed. You were accursed. You were the accursed one. Then you were in the divine palace. That is your story. Okay? Get into it. Right? Get into it. If, if we were to make a, a movie about that, we would get into it. We would cry. We would love it. Oh my goodness, guess what? This is better than any movie ever made because we're just looking at this story from one angle and you can look at it from infinite angles and it is better than any story any human has ever written and it's your story. Don't go anywhere else. This is it. This is where you stay. There's nowhere else I want to go. There's nothing beyond the love of God that I want to press into. Let, okay, so... Um, this is your context. This is the context you live in. I'm going to share something with you guys. I found out this morning, when I walked up to my car to drive here, that I had been robbed. Okay? So, credit card, uh, which I had spent a bunch of money on. Um, uh, my, my wireless mouse, my, my wireless thing to make this connect to the internet, and all of my paperwork in my car, like the, the DMV stuff, all, cleaned out the glove box and everything, right? But guess what? I don't care. Because this is my context. I really don't care. Like, I genuinely don't care. I mean, I had to remind myself. I had to think about the context that my life is in a little, but not for very long. Because guess what? It's really my context. Like, how ridiculous are the things that... Okay, think about a lovesick person, right? Oh, I'm in love. First month, right? Nothing bothers me. You know, they're Twitter-pated. Like, little things don't really bother me because I love this thing, this relationship, right? <laughs> Guess what? That's my, that should be our life all the time. Like, yeah. like, why in the world do I care about some things when my eternity is to be the beloved of God? And just because... Okay, now, by the way, if, if, who here is single but has a crush? I'm not going to ask you who it is, but who here is single and has a crush? Raise your hand. Okay, thank you. Now, all right, there we go. That's my hand up. If I told you that the rest of your life was just going to be the beloved of this person, that would excite you. That would really excite you, huh, Kipsia? I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, that would, that would, but it would. I mean, come on, come on. That would really excite you, right? So don't sit there and analyze, well, what does that mean to be the beloved of that person for the rest of my eternity, like? No, of course there's a context to it. Like you're, you know, of course you're going to live life together, but still what you're excited about is that you are going to be so-and-so's beloved for the rest of your life. That would absolutely ravish the heart of anyone with a true crush because you're made for that. Cool, you're made for it. Guess what? It's, it's, you're made for it. It's what you have. So, so there is nowhere else to go from this. Okay? By the way, when, those, that, that, when, that, when that couple gets together, right, and then they lose that, they feel like they've lost everything, haven't they? Haven't they lost everything? 
Exactly. So it's everything. Okay. So um, is it, can you, this has been troubling me all morning, actually. All right. So the um, uh, I'm going to go back to the puzzle real quick, and then I'm going to hand it over. Um, so here's the thing about love. So as you see the puzzle come together, and honestly, that's just what's been happening for me. It's just like, wow, it's really this good. It's, I, I can barely believe it, but it's really this good. And uh, back to how love works. I said that love reproduces itself. Um, but I'm going to talk about how, what that looks like. So receiving this love, how, yeah, I said love creates, right? Love creates. So God wanted to increase his glory. His glory is himself. He is love. I have a plan. I'm going to make something, then I'm going to love it until it loves me back with that same life and love. Right? It's a pretty cool context which, through which to view the world. That's what he's doing. So, but how does that work? How does, uh, how does creating, how does love create? Well, as you see it, you receive it. There's really nothing you can do. Like, there's nothing my daughter can do, Right? But as she sees it, as she sees it, which is my best word for receiving it, as she sees it, she, will, she loves me back. And she does love me back. And so it's a seeing and a receiving thing. But as we see it, and we realize how wonderful it is, and we, it becomes the thing to us that is the most lovely, and, and it gains priority, what gets revealed is the parts of us that fight it, that resist it. So love is the ultimate... As it creates, it purifies. Okay? As love creates, it purifies. It cuts into you, and it cuts out anything that would stand against love. Look, this is true of humans, by the way. This is not just true of God and us. I mean, this is the way it is. This is the way love operates. So, this works in marriage, but this works in God. That as he loves you with perfect love, and you see that, there are things in us that do want to go elsewhere. They're ready for the next thing. They're ready for whatever. And we they just get exposed. And that's where the self, that's where, we, that's where the death comes in. I said last time I was up here, the marriage and death are also inseparable. And they are. But the trade-off is worth it. But that's how love works. Love purifies as it creates. There's no other way. To resist that purification is to resist love. Uh... You know, Jesus said, after quoting, you know, after John 3.16, he says, um, or the, the light comes into the world and people resist it because they like the darkness more, right? You could replace it with love. The love has come into this world. Love is there for you. It's there. It's everything. But we resist it because there's things that we want as well. And love is so, back to that word exclusivity, okay? It is not okay for my wife to feel this way about or, you know, or act upon or entertain, right, um, with other men. It is not okay, right? There is a, and so, uh, so that's how love creates and purifies. I'm going to end with the, the, the good news, though, okay, because this has always been God's heart. So what happens when you have uneven love? What happens when say, a husband still loves a wife, like in a Hosea and Gomer situation, what happens when you have a love that is 
pure and real, and you have a beloved that doesn't love back the same way. There's something defiled about that, right? There's something offensive. There's something that stinks about that. Back to the sacred um, uh, mystery type thing. There's something about that that, that just can't go together. Um, and the amazing thing is this. So God loves us with a love so pure and perfect that we don't really even know the extent of it. We, right, we get, we get brought into this. And are we just instantly, all the connections to this world, all of our little loves fade away, right? We have no issues with adultery. Of course not. Like, we're a work in progress. Do you realize that because of the blood of Jesus, their uneven love can happen in a real spirit-to-spirit, experiential way. I titled this part, Unequal Love in the Blood. Like, it's true that his... Now, now, get in the details of the fact that it's actually his love that's loving him back, and that he sees me. He doesn't see a work in progress. He sees his son, right? So that's true. But there's a dynamic where I am absolutely a work in progress, okay? And there's a dynamic where he is absolutely holy and perfect love ravished heart of God to, but because of the blood, I can experience his love even in my work in progress. And if I couldn't, how would it reproduce? Like, I am so thankful for the blood. I am so thankful because this is only possible because of the blood. Like, and the fact that I'm saying this, I hope you get that I mean in a very practical, real way. Like, like, when God loving me is, like, it's more than just an idea. Like, it's spirit to spirit. I feel it. I experience it. And that changes me from the inside. It makes me a different person. That enlightens my mind. It changes I won't get into that right now. But, but when I'm experiencing his love and I feel it, and it's spirit to spirit going on, I am really, really thankful for the blood. Because without it, that would be such an unholy moment. But with it, it's perfect. Um, so that's it. I uh, hope that you guys are encouraged by that. But I'm going to let Turner kind of lead us in a response.